Um, For the last five weeks, we have been following up our Easter celebration by trying to address the question that the kids talked about. I have these doubts. I have these questions. Jesus sounds good, but then usually it's Jesus sounds good, but the church, and that becomes an obstacle. Today we hit what I think is the high watermark, the most constantly expressed, Jesus sounds good, but what about the church? And it comes from uh, Luke's account of Jesus. To those who were confident of their own righteousness, who looked down on everybody else, Jesus told a story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these others, the robbers and the the adulterers, the evildoers, or like this tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood off at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven but beat his chest and said, God, God have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, not the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that is why Jesus sounds good, but Christians are such hypocrites. You could substitute the word Pharisee and put in the word Presbyterian and have much the same experience today. People feeling bad, watching religious people feeling good, and the people that feel bad stand off at a distance. So, I would like to talk about hypocrisy, and I would like you, right from the beginning, to be one of those people in the story. Who's the hero of the story? There is no hero of the story. Think of who you are. Why is hypocrisy a problem for the church? Well, part of it, I think, for the American church is that we live in a country that right from its beginning has felt touched by God. We have a term for it. We call it American exceptionalism. We will be different. And frankly, sometimes I believe that we are significantly different. Anyone who reads the history of World War II will realize that one of the most surprising parts of the whole story is that in the devastation and destruction of Europe, American aid in the form of the Marshall Plan brought hope and life to an entire continent in ways really never seen before. Exceptional. At the same time, because we believe that we are exceptional, we are held up to standards. And when we fail to live at those standards, it's like, well, it's, it's like... Um, It's like turning on the TV and expecting something good and instead seeing a televangelist. (laughs) Hypocrites. They think they're so special. Hypocrites. And isn't it easy to see hypocrisy today on the screen? Think of the body politic. The the Democrats screaming and wailing about how, how could you act so irresponsibly? And the Republicans doing exactly the same thing that they promised that they would never do when they took the place of the Democrats. It's all who is in charge today. We are all 
hypocrites. I say that because it's easy to see hypocrisy out there. We've all got hypocrite meters. It's just easier to see it in other people. So Christians talk about Jesus changing our lives, and we still mess up like everybody else, and we're called hypocrites. How can you say that you're different? You're just like everybody else. You just think that you're better. Now, when I, um, when I became a Christian, I, I felt like uh, I was not a hypocrite at the time. I, I felt, and, and yet I didn't have an answer for my brothers and friends who said, how can you join the church? They're such hypocrites. And I listened to a teacher, and the teacher quoted uh, Dr. Uh, James Kennedy uh, from Florida. And Kennedy uh, said, when somebody comes up to you and says, your church is filled with hypocrites, here's what you tell them. Oh, you're absolutely right. But don't worry, there's room for one more. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I like that. <laughs> I'll use that again. And that may be true, but how can hypocrisy be changed? How can hypocrisy not be the mark of people who say that they follow the living God? There's a great sermon on this topic by Rich Nathan, a vineyard pastor. Uh, and, and he defines hypocrisy. He said, hypocrisy is the desire to appear better than we are. Hypocrisy is the desire to appear one way when we're really another way. Hypocrisy is the desire to appear better than we are, usually by comparing ourselves to somebody else. That's hypocrisy. Jesus is literally death on hypocrisy. Our illustration started it out, but when he preaches his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he takes hypocrisy on directly. This is what he says. In Matthew 6, be careful not to practice your religion in front of others in order to be seen. If you do that, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites. They've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving is secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret, then God will reward you. When you give and when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing up so they're seen by others. They've received their reward in full. Second time that said. They've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your unseen father, and then your father who sees what is done in secret. Second thing that's repeated. Your father sees what's done in secret. He will reward you. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Don't look somber like the hypocrites who make sure everybody knows that they're fasting. They've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Wash your face so it won't be obvious that you're fasting. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus talks about these religious tasks. They're common to Muslims, to Christians, and Jews Giving and fasting and praying. And he says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, do not compare yourselves to them. Be careful because sin creeps in fast when you're religious. Jesus is saying, 
that religion is the perfect hiding place for hypocrisy. So often the motive for Christian behavior, for moral behavior in Christians is fear and pride and comparison. It's fear that if you do this, you're going to get in trouble. If you don't do that, God won't love you. Or you're not like those dirty people. You're better than that. At least you're better than them. The problem is that this kind of motivation strengthens the power of sin in your heart. We learn to be moral by being self-righteous and self-centered. Jesus wants to motivate a different kind of life, a better kind of life, a holy life, but he wants to do it in a different way. Jesus says, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, be different. Jesus' motive is rooted in grace. Grace that comes not when we're trying our hardest, not when we're at our best. Grace that comes when we're at our worst. It's the story of the man who couldn't even go into the church but said, oh, God, help me. God, help me. I'm a sinner. And God does help. Grace will never let us go. The grace of God never lets us go so we don't have to stay on the straight and narrow in order to be loved by God. We don't have to be better to experience the grace of God. Our behavior is rooted Our behavior should be rooted in the embrace of the gospel. That is, that when I not only have the intellectual belief that Jesus Christ died for my sins, but I experience the love of the cross, my heart is no longer driven by pride in what I can accomplish. And I am not only pushed, I am no longer pushed by fear of what will happen. As you realize that Jesus chose to die for you and for me, your pride gets melted away. You're like that guy, oh God help me, and God helps you. And your fear of messing up goes away. So you stop comparing. Remember the heart of hypocrisy is our desire to look better than we are, usually in comparison to somebody else. There was a great scholar of the last century, A.B. Bruce, and Bruce says we're supposed to show it this way. We are to show it when we're tempted to hide it, and we are to hide it when we're tempted to show it. So, Bruce was meaning, often we hide our Christianity, we hide our faith in Jesus because we want people to like us, because we want people's approval. Bruce says, let your relationship with Jesus show when you're tempted to hide it. But, on the other hand, sometimes we want to show people what good people we are. And Bruce says, when you're tempted to let your good deeds show for the approval of other people, hide it. You are being tempted to hypocrisy. Hypocrites are the ones who subtly make other people feel worse by trying to make themselves look better. Who'd want to join a church like that? Now, I I need to tell you, I unfortunately, I have joined a church like that. It's a little Presbyterian church in Minnesota. And it's filled with hypocrites. 
I, I realize that because it's, it's led by a hypocrite. And, uh, and I feel like we ought to stand up here and our, our call to worship ought to be something like this. It's like the, the 12 steps. Hi, my name is John. I'm a hypocrite. And you say, right. And then it's your turn. <laughs> we ought to start from the premise that we are not going to escape being hypocrites for the rest of our days. My best hope as a sinner being changed by grace is to become a recovering hypocrite. To be healed from this passion that I have to let other people's opinions matter the most. Daryl Johnson was a great Presbyterian pastor at Regent College and at Princeton, and he looked at this passage. He says, there's, there's five things that Jesus teaches here that help you be healed from hypocrisy, to help you become a recovering hypocrite. Five of them. He said, the first is that as you look at the story, you realize we are all actors in a great drama. That the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 come from the world of acting and the world of the theater. Jesus uses the word hypocrite three times. I, I never do this. I hate doing this. In the Greek, it says, but let me tell you three Greek words today. Because the first of them is the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word for hypocritai, hypocritai. And it was the year, it was the word used for an actor. An actor was called a upokritai because an actor put on a mask. If it was a happy part of the play, the mask would wear one aspect. If it was a bad part of the play, the actor would replace it with another mask. He was an upokritai. He was acting a part. And Jesus was talking about the power of hypocrisy. To don a mask to play a role is the essence of being a hypocrite. And the reason that we do that, the reason we change our masks is found in verse 1. It's the desire to be seen by people. The Greek word for seen by people is theathanai. Theathanai is where we get the English word theater. So it's about people living their lives in a drama, putting on masks to be seen in the play. So are you, are you just playing a religious role today? When you have your religious activity, do you wear the mask, or is it somehow becoming a part of, of who you are? That's the first question that this asks. You're living as part of the drama. How are you dressed? The, the second thing that Jesus, I think, says is that we are all being watched. We're all being watched. No fun to have a play if nobody's watching, right? We are all being watched, but our audience is not what we think. We are all being watched by God. Three times in the story, Jesus says, and God who sees what happens in secret. And God who sees what happens in secret. It's from Psalm 139. Is there anywhere I can go to hide from the gaze of God? If I go to the end of the earth, if I go to the bottom of the sea, if I hide in the darkness, God will see me. 
And it's so important to realize that the reason that God wants to see your every move is not because he's a policeman ready to hand out the ticket, to pounce, to look for ways to make you feel bad or to criticize you. I believe that God watches you all the time the way that a mother watches an 18-month-old all the time. God looks constantly after us so that he can protect us, provide for us, influence toward a better, freeing, more satisfying life. He'll never take his eyes off of you, our Father in heaven. How would your tomorrow, how would your tomorrow be different if periodically through the day, every 45 minutes, you had somebody tap you on the back and said, remember, uh, we're going through this together, I'm watching. That might change the way I talk or what I read or how I respond. The reality is we are all actors playing out a great drama and we are always being watched and that leads to the third thing the passage talks about. We're not only being watched by God, we also want to be watched. We all want to be noticed. We all, in some ways, we crave attention. The shyest person among us loves to have somebody say, oh, that looks nice. The most reclusive of us would love to have somebody say, oh, thank you for that. We are built. We are built to be watched. That's not wrong. God intended that. You know how I know that God intended us to be watched is because I've had children. You've had children. And they hit the age of four, and they can't wait to show you this. Dad, 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 look at this, look at this. Oh, that's great. Well, look, I can do it again. Here, dad, 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 look. Oh, that's, that's great. Dad, 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 watch this again. Wow, did you go to school and learn that in school? You're such a great job. Dad, 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 watch, I can do it again. Trust me, they will never stop. This could go on for hour after hour. Dad, watch me, watch me, watch me. There is a desire to be seen and approved and loved. That is not wrong. We all come to life. We all come to life when somebody notices that we're alive. Part of us never outgrows that. The problem is that we want people to catch us on our best moments. By the way, total rabbit trail, that's why Instagram and Twitter and Facebook are so pernicious. They show me at the very best moment of my week being watched by all my friends who are in the dumpster having a regular day. We want to be seen, but only when we're doing really well. We all want to be noticed. And that goes through all of our lives. And Jesus says, who do you want to be noticed by? That's the fourth thing. Who do you want to be noticed by? Jesus says, we all choose for whom we perform. We all choose for whom we act. Some of you are 60 years old. You are still trying to please your parents. And they are dead. But they have formed who you are and, and you perform for them. When we watch adolescence in middle school, junior high, high school, we see this sucking sound where the crowd forms the way that they think of themselves. And they perform for their friends. Or we want the approval of other Christians and it spills over into the way we act. 
Everybody involved in spiritual activity faces that as a great temptation. You want to show that you're different because you go to church. I face this myself every time I get up on a Sunday. Every time I get up to preach, who am I doing this for? Is this so that at the end people will say, oh, that was great. What was that quote? Who's the audience? Who am I seeking to please? Whose praise do I want? And whether I am in trillium or in the choir or I am up uh, in front of the children's sermon, who am I performing for, God or for other people? That's your question for the day. The fifth question, of course, is where Jesus ends his story. He says, in the end, we all get the reward that we seek. We all get the reward that we seek. When we give, not if we give, when we give, when we pray, when we fast, and we do that, we act like that to be seen or approved by others, we get our payment in full right there that moment. This is the last Greek word. The Greek word for they'll have their reward really means paid in full. If you are doing this for the approval of others, you are paid in full. So, if you pray, and really the hope of your prayer is that others will say, oh, that was, that, that was poetic, that was deep, that was so, you're so spiritual. God stamps that prayer paid in full. If you give in a way that people will say, isn't she generous? Paid in full. If your goal was to impress people, they were impressed, and you were paid, and you get the reward that you seek, and you've put on the mask. And when we put on the mask in that second or not, others go, she lives like this, but she talks like this. I want you, sisters and brothers, to be that man who stands at a distance and says, oh, I, God, I, I don't even deserve this. Help me, please. And to be freed from the unending trap of looking better than anybody else. Hypocrisy is healed by playing for an audience of one. An unending role where I like that other people like it, but even if they didn't like it, I would do it because this is where I find joy and grace and truth. And I find the freedom of humility. You want to avoid a church that reeks of hypocrisy, find a group of humble sinners so that this is not a cathedral for saints but a, a hospital for sinners and you go oh you're a bunch of hypocrites and they say yes we are but there is room for one more yes we are but God is still making room for just one more would you pray with me Lord Jesus we come to the table as people who wear the mask. I, 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 nobody knows this better than me. And yet we come to the table because there is something in us that thirsts for grace, that hungers for freedom, that thrives in your joy-filled attention on us as you watch us stumble through life. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this morning as we come to your table, you will look at us and, 
and laugh at the airs that we put on, even my echoes of false humility, that you will love us anyway and show us how we might in humility love others anyway. Please take this bread, turn it into your body and break it again. Take this cup and pour it out so that your blood might flow and wash over us so that we might once again hear that on the night that he was betrayed, he ate with his disciples and he took the bread and broke it and blessed it and said, take, eat, all of you, this is my body. And at the end of the meal, he took the cup and pouring in the wine said, this, this is the blood of a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. When we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the death of our Lord until he comes again. And we are free. Make us, Lord, if we have fallen into this hypocritical trap, make us free by your grace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we pray. Amen.